friends all around. Jesus saved, Jesus saved, bear good news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward is our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Walked it on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sin it's far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea. Echo back the ocean gates. Her shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom When the heart for mercy breaks Cry for the tomb Jesus saves, Jesus saves Give the winds a mighty voice Jesus saves, Jesus saves Let the nations now rejoice Jesus saved, Jesus saved, shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves, this our song of victory, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Right. Great singing. Don't say a word about this pulpit, please. I need a stool. Who made this? This You are nuts. Can anybody see me? Okay, good. Man. All right. Good to see everybody out tonight. And uh, good good singing tonight. What a great singing. It's why we're here, really. Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. And uh, thankful for that. Brother Pringle, would you come open us in a word of prayer, please? Well, hello there. Yeah, this is it, yeah. We're glad to see all of you here. I love pastors. Thank you for what you do. The burdens that you carry that nobody but God Almighty knows what they are. But you have a partnership with a powerful God. And if you just keep walking with him, you know, I Daniel prayed three times a day like he did a four time. I don't think them prayer times was this now lay me down to sleep. I think that was real serious. I think he had a close relationship with him. Yeah. That's the reason God took care of him in the den of lions. There's actually two Lenadines. Oh, I didn't come here to preach, but anyway. Let's bow our heads together and pray. We're glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For faithful men that will stand for the faithful truth of the Word of God. And God, I pray tonight that you'll speak to us again through your 
precious, divine, holy word, and that we'll be different men, women, uh, Lord, when we leave here than when we come. And we're thankful, Lord, for Brother Eccles and his church, Crimson Avenue, having this, hosting this. We're thankful for Faith Baptist having the facilities and all, Lord. And we pray now that you'll meet with us in a in a special way. And Lord, that we would know that you uh, are honoring your word and that we will respond to you the way we ought to so that we do what is right. We always do what's right when we respond to you because you're always right. You've never made a mistake. You're right everywhere, all the time, anywhere, everywhere. You're right. So God, help us to be obedient to you. And Lord, we pray you'll speak to our hearts so that when we speak to other people's hearts, wherever we may go, back to our various pastors and churches, so on, that Lord, that we'll be challenging them to stay faithful until Jesus comes. It's not going to be long, but Lord, the local church still has to carry out the Great Commission because if we're not carrying out the Great Commission, why does the church need to be on the earth? So Lord, please help us now, we pray as only the Holy Spirit of God can. And that's Jesus' precious name. We ask it and for His glory we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you are a... Uh, and I do want to thank Faith Baptist for allowing us to... to for their building. I, I mean, really, they're hosting the thing almost, pretty much. So he, he didn't know that. But I'm sure thankful for that and what a blessing that is. Thankful for uh, friendships and ministry. And uh, I tell you what, they're huge, huge. Thankful for that. And uh, tell you what, let's uh, let's introduce uh, pastors and full-time workers or workers. If you're a pastor or a worker, uh, would you stand? And we're going to go around and introduce everybody. Go ahead and stand if you're a pastor or a worker. And uh, that would be great. And I'm going to start at the front. Over here, we're going to walk back. To, just to let everybody know, I think we pretty well know who everybody is, but maybe not. So why don't we start up here and introduce who you are, where you're, what church you're from, and uh, anything uh, you think is necessary. No, just say who, you're, who you are and where you're from. How's that? Go ahead. Yes, sir. Amen. Good to meet you earlier, brother. So, Steve? Amen. Okay. Amen, amen. Amen. You can go ahead. Amen. And uh, Brother Dameron and Brother Joel, they have tables set up out there. You can, there's some great books that Brother Dameron has. And then Brother Joel, there's uh, some of the information there of the field of Cambodia. And uh, just, uh, some of you may have already looked at some of that. Uh, I'd suggest you go back and look again and 
Buy lots of books today, would you? Lots and lots of books. Lots of books. Because uh, he needs to get home. So, <laughs> and there are other pastors uh, here, and and uh, didn't want to stand up. I'm thankful for them as well. Retired pastors. Thankful for that as well. All right. Let me see here. Why don't you find? Where did you? Are you ready? We're going to sing another song here, and uh, Brother uh, Michael's going to come now. Thank you, brother. We can't sing sitting down. Stand up. 576. That's just something we do here. We always stand. 576, Victory Ahead, page 576. Here we go. When the host of Israel led by God Round the walls of Jericho softly trod Trusting in the Lord, they felt the God pursued by faith they saw the victory ahead, victory ahead, victory ahead, through the blood of Jesus, victory ahead, trusting in the Lord, I hear the conquerors tread, by faith I see the victory ahead, David took the shepherd's sing and stones met the giant on the field all alone trusting in the lord he knew not what they said by faith he saw the victory ahead victory ahead victory ahead through the blood of jesus victory ahead trusting in the lord i by faith I see the victory ahead. Sing that fourth verse. Often with the carnal mind I was tried. Asking for deliverance off I cried. Trusting in the Lord I reckoned I was dead. By faith I saw the victory ahead. Victory ahead. Victory ahead, through the blood of Jesus, victory ahead. Trusting in the Lord, I hear the doctor's bread. By faith I see the victory ahead. When like those who've gone before to that land, by that river cold and dark I shall stand. Trusting in the Lord, I will not fear or dread. By faith I see the victory ahead. Victory ahead, victory ahead. Through the blood of Jesus, victory ahead. Trusting in the Lord, I hear the doctor's dread. By faith I see the victory ahead. Seated. We're going to take an offering here if those ushers who I uh, found here, if you'd come right now. And uh, while they take up the offering, the foresters are going to come sing. So why don't you come along now as well? And uh, they will sing for the offertory. And uh, I love it when families sing together. What a joy that is. Now the girls, they just wimped out. They didn't come. Ladies so, night out. Oh yeah, ladies night out. So, so uh, Let me see here.
I'm gonna. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Uh, for the will, what would you pray for the offering, please? This blessed old book that I hold in my hand It's true from beginning to end It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry Bread when I'm hungry and worn When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword A shelter from life's troubled storm It's a light to my pathway and a lamp to my feet When the world gets so dark you can't see and I'm not changed a word in one word that it said, but it sure made a change in me. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand, it's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. When I think what it costs just to hold in my hand, it reminds me that I owe a great debt to all of the martyrs who've gone to the stake and quoted with their dying breath. Well, its critics are many, and believers are few. But there's one thing i found to be true. If you find when you read it that there's something wrong, then there's something wrong with you. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand it's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. They had no problem with the pulpit at all, as you can see. <laughs> I'm going to have brothers uh, Steve Dameron come right now. Uh, Brother Dameron is a pastor at Fairhaven Baptist Church in, up in Indiana. And uh, and he is now, as um, 
heading up, and I'll let him tell you about the seminary and uh, a lot of resources for pastors there. And I just had him, I want him to come right now and just uh, give just a little bit of an uh, overview of what they're doing right now. All right, well, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we do have a book table. I'll talk about that in just a second. But Independent Baptist Seminary is, uh, I grew up under Roy Thompson, uh, Cleveland Baptist Church, Cleveland, Ohio. And growing up, I'm pretty sure that he rolls over in his grave every time that I'm introduced as the director of Independent Baptist Seminary because I heard probably dozens of times that a seminary is a cemetery. All right, and you wouldn't argue with Roy Thompson, okay? Um, but our desire is not to make preachers some, uh, live in a cemetery, preach like they belong in a cemetery. Um, uh, when I was... Uh, as an assistant and then as a pastor, uh, you're putting out all the time. And so I yearned to get some more education and study. And so I ended up getting a couple of seminary degrees. And I was very frustrated with what I got because there's not too many independent Baptist places where you can get solid teaching. And so uh, then God's led us to do it. And, uh, and it's also another belief that I have is in the local church. And so... Uh, Capital Baptist Church is located in Dover, Delaware, and he and I actually met about three and a half years ago in his dining room, and uh, in his dining room we started working on the seminary idea, and so I was praying for somebody to come to work underneath me, and he was praying for somebody to work underneath him, and he won, all right, so he's a man of prayer and I'm not, I guess, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, last year I asked I called him and I said, could we take a few months of praying and fasting and see if this is what God would have us to partner with? And so last June, I uh, flew out and we presented it to Capital Baptist Church in Dover, Delaware. And then the next week, they voted to move Independent Baptist Seminary under their ministry. And so it is uh, a seminary under a local church, which that's what we strongly believe in. And uh, my pastor, Pastor T.H. Moore, is a strong Baptist. Uh, he's a strong King James. He's also a strong teacher. And so, um, uh, and yet, and his love is pastoring. And so that's what he loves doing. He hates traveling. He loves pastoring. And so he says, get on the road. You go out. And, uh, and so I'm on the road a lot, uh, just trying to, we basically relaunched it in September. And we're trying to let people know about it. But then also we do, God has allowed us to put a bunch of things together. He's had has a number of series, uh, The Dangers of Calvinism, uh, Why We Use the King James Bible, uh, Why We Are Baptist, and those are out there. Uh, we also have, uh, God has already brought together uh, some teachers. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Bob Dalton was a teacher uh, for close to 30 years and was retired down in Florida and he'd been looking for a place to work. And uh, so he's 78 years old. He's up in years, but he's still got some spunk. And so he said until he dies, he wants to work for Independent Baptist Seminary. So next week, I'm picking him up at the airport, and he's uh, doing a 12-hour module on Calvinism and Reformed theology. And just so you know, he's not for it. All right. Um, so our desire is to uh, present and give pastors a place uh, that's independent Baptist. And so and God's blessed and helped us. Uh, it's, it's not been an easy venture. Uh, if you know independent Baptists, uh, they're very skeptical of anything new. 
<laughs> and we're pretty new. Uh, so I appreciate your prayers uh, as we develop programs, uh, develop, um, it, it's mostly graduate programs. Uh, we do in-person classes, uh, but we do modules, we do online, we do correspondence, and God has, and we also want something that is challenging uh, for a guy. We don't want it to just be, as I call, paper mill. Uh, just, you know, you come, you pay me enough money, and you know what, I'll, uh, I'll sign it. Uh, we, we want you to uh, feel that you got something worthy, uh, that it's, um, it's sound, and so we appreciate your prayers. Uh, we do have a table out there and love to chat with you, and uh, if we can help you in any way, let us know. Thank you. Page 44, page 44, and can it be, page 44. That's Dan, yeah. <laughs> I was going to let you be seated, but no. <laughs> Brother Russ didn't want to stay seated, so. <laughs> page 44, and can it be. Sing it out here. And can it be. That I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. Died He for me who caused His pain for me who am today.
How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, just die for me. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking salvation on Christ I will depend my hope is Jesus my hope is Jesus when darkness hides my Savior's face I rest on his unchanging when faith is weak and doubt is strong, I still lift up salvation song. My hope is Jesus, the anchor of my soul, the ruler of this universe, the one who's in control. He saved me, and He will keep me till the end. The rock of my salvation, on Christ I will depend. My hope is Jesus. My hope is Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, with trumpet sound, only then in him be found, rest in his righteousness, a righteousness alone. 
time I met Brother Russ Bishop, I don't know if you even remember this, we were, he's like, oh no, um, I dropped some kids off at Sagmont, it was about 1999, and you were driving a bus for South Campbell Avenue, and you, you remember that? No? no. <laughs> I do, you waved real big, you, you took a group to get to Sagmont, didn't you? Yeah, I remember that, that was a long time ago. So, 99? Oh, that was a long time ago. Never mind. So, and uh, we uh, have uh, known each other for a little while now. I can't remember, at least an hour, an hour or two. Yeah. And uh, so, I asked him to come preach, and we've uh, had some great conversations. And what a blessing. I, I just am always encouraged by those that just kind of stick by the stuff. And what, a, what a blessing. And uh, it's a and it's a simple blessing, but it's a deep one. And so, brother, would you come now, brother? Brother Russ Bishop is going to preach the message tonight. I don't remember that vividly. I remember the era, and that's how I'm remembering things these days. You know, just. Uh, <laughs> Some of you men with uh, that have the racing stripes on the side, the gray uh, uh, coming in. Someone commented on my gray hair. That's um, I just am hoping the gray takes over before ever the, all the rest take off. So anyway, but uh, I I do I love this pulpit. I, I've been here before, uh, Brother Brandon. I, it's a special treat. I didn't know we were going to be in this uh, facility, this building, um, when when I was asked to come. This is a special treat, and uh, Brother Brandon has been to our church, preached. Our people fell. And love, I keep getting the, uh, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? So, but um, glad for the hosting, glad to be a part. Man, I just, I feel like I'm in the huddle when, um, when I'm amongst uh, the preachers, the pastors, and, um, you know, we're just in the battlefield, and uh, we see it, and, and it's a blessing. When, when I first um, really got involved in um, really ministry, it was at South Campbell Avenue Baptist Church up in Springfield, and uh, Brother Oren Cobb. How many of you knew Brother Oren Cobb? And uh, Brother Cobb still uh, has uh, meetings uh, with me, posthumously teaching me uh, things I didn't understand what he told me at the time. But um, 
those thoughts keep coming back, those words keep coming back, and um, even some of the things that uh, while driving buses and things like that at South Campbell. Uh, but um, it's just a blessing to be able to uh, run into some men. I even saw Brother Brumbaugh just the uh, the years. Uh, I, I've I've known of you for thirty close to thirty years and never laid eyes on you, and heard stories about you, and and it's just amazing. And uh, met his one or two of your daughters came to Springfield uh, when we were there, and I went to cemetery in '95 uh, in Springfield, and uh, somehow survived or resurrected or something. But uh, at any rate, uh, Brother Cobb helped me. If it wasn't been for Brother Cobb, Orrin Cobb, I I just don't know if I'd have made it through that process. And um, and uh, very grateful, and just the Lord is good. Enable us to be able to be amongst friends and to just see all the connections uh, down through the years. Uh, Brother Davis, you're coming and doing the uh, Bible, uh, just the organization of John and Romans at Heartland. And so, and then Brother Bigham, just for years, I leaned over to Mrs. Bigham earlier and I said, Mrs. Bigham, we're Okies. And they, they did, uh, she did 34 years hard time in Texas and got out. Praise God. Uh, but Brother Bigham, the Texan, but just <laughs> down through the years, I'm just encouraged to be here with you and, um, how many of you are in your churches right now are in a building program? All right, so uh, some of you, and you've done a number of things since I've been here, uh, here at this, uh, at this uh, building, and um, how many of you are glad you're not in a building program right now? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had a preacher tell me one time, if you're not involved in a building program, have a project going on. And early on in my younger years, I thought, that's a great idea. The older I get, if we don't need it, we're not building it, okay? So, uh, but, uh, the, the concept of building projects, we were involved with, uh, uh, up in Oklahoma City. You did a painting on our building project in Oklahoma City there, uh, at Southwest when we were there with Brother Sam, uh, for those years. And then Brother Brandon, we've been involved in building program at South Campbell. And, uh, so, uh, the projects, building projects grow people. <laughs> they don't always increase the attendance. But they grow people, but all of us have uh, probably experienced a, uh, a building project or uh, some sort of a building project, a process uh, that goes on. But I want to just propose to you here tonight, all of us are in some sort of building project, whether that be the facility that we are able to meet in, and we know the church is the people. But to be able to come to a nice and comfortable facility, it's a, it's a blessing. We have property projects, we have projects that we're working on, building buildings out and about, but then really the process of building people and co-laboring with God and working on people. It's an unending process, an ongoing process. And and when we think about working on people and helping people to grow and and to think about that, but when you realize that probably one of the greatest projects really going on or in and around my life is it's me. God's working on this project. I remember when I did an addition to the back of my house, and I have a background in construction, light framing and building and things like that. And one day I was just frustrated. We were just getting getting going, had the footings all dug, and had a stump kind of really giving us fits, and I just chopping on that stump, getting ready for the footing, and uh, put had uh, had put the rebar in and was getting ready for inspection the inspector came out and she in her pigtails and hoodie said this is not going to pass and I said why not 
She said, well, your rebar is not spaced correctly. I said, well, the rebar is, um, it's, it's according to the specs here that are written in the, in the specs that I was given. And, um, she said, no, they're too, uh, too close together. I said, well, according to the specs, they can't be any farther apart than that. And she said, no, according to the specs, they can be no closer together than that. And I said, well, these two bars in the rebar, the, the footing, right? That's not how it's drawn. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this process of reading blueprints and, and, and this is, this is not, not what it's saying here. So I don't know why you wouldn't pass this. And she said, the drawings say this. And I said, well, the drawings don't say that. She said, I drew the drawings. So you don't pass. <laughs> and I just sat there and I, after she left and I thought, ah, how dare her go to college? But as I sat there in that hole, I thought, this project's killing me. The Lord made it very clear to me that day that the project's not the building. The project's you. And you need this. Long story that goes around all of that, a backstory, but just thankful that God's working on it. Thankful that Paul told the Philippians there, He that hath begun a good work in you, that God's working on us and that we're a process. This evening, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6. And tonight we're going to deal with the concept of really a project for God, a work for the Lord, and how that God allows us to be a part of working for Him. And I, I again, I, I enjoy the building projects and all those things. Uh, I, I enjoy the beginning of a building project, but the, the ending, uh, the end thereof, so much more. Uh, but uh, we're not in one right now. We just paid off our building this last year. Thankful for that. We'll build when time is allows. But I, I'm just saying here, it's a blessing to be a part of a building project, but, but we're all in the process of building many lives for God. If you found your way to Nehemiah chapter number 6, let's stand together. And we'll start our reading here in just a moment in verse number 1. Now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Tonight I want to deal with this portion and, and really the, the portion leading up to this portion of Scripture and dealing with the intent of the adversary is just to stop the project altogether. And the work that we're involved in, as we, as we think about the, the work that God has us involved in, in the building of lives and, and helping people, it's bigger than just buildings. It's bigger than just additions and fancifies and uh, upgrades and all those things that go on. It's bigger than improving the technology and, uh, and all of our social footprint. It's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than even just preaching. It's bigger, bigger. Now don't, 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 don't write me off right there. It's bigger than just having meetings. It's about glorifying God. 
It's about God being magnified through the lives that He's created for His glory. And that involves preaching. And that involves outreach. That involves door knocking. That involves uh, going forth and discipling people, making disciples. It involves all that. But let us not forget the intent of God through this work is to be glorified through it. It's not about building a name, building just filling seats. It's about God being exalted in the midst. But there's a problem. We have an adversary. And he in ninja-like fashion wants to cause it to stop. So the intent of the adversary is not to hinder it, just, just to hinder it, but it's to halt it. His interest is not just to slow it down, but to stop it. His interest is not just to delay it, but to destroy it. In other words, the devil's not trying to give the church a black eye. He's trying to cut its throat. So tonight we're going to deal with this issue of just making sure that we don't come off the wall for God, but that we stay in the work. Father, we come before you once again thanking you for this time and Thank you for a heart of a, a preacher and a, and a group of preachers that want to get together to encourage one another. But Lord, we know that you are the lifter up of our head. You are the one who cares about the burdens that we carry, as Brother Pringle mentioned earlier. And you're the one who is the one who cares for the brokenhearted, the downtrodden. God, you care. And so tonight as we meet as preachers, Lord, help us. Help us to be mindful of the fact that if we stop doing the work that you'd have for us, you're, going to, you're, you're not going to be glorified in the communities you've called us to. Lord, help us to stay on the wall of faithfulness to the work of God. So help me tonight to lay on these men what you have laid on my heart to share by way of preaching of your word. So please help me tonight in Jesus' name. Amen ask you to be seated here and I I would, say, I would dare say that probably most preachers that are going through a project a building project or kind of getting going they, they just they gravitate to the book of Nehemiah I think that uh, it just there are just so many preaching points and so many just good application uh, points that you'd say well it just it's just fitting to think about the rebuilding of something or the the, the erecting a rising and building I mean just it just makes sense to just go through the book of Nehemiah. And I think a number of preachers would say, I've gone through the book of Nehemiah and it always seemed to be right in the middle of a building project. And I, I'll just be candid with you. I did. <laughs> did you? Uh, and so the, the thought of doing that is, is, uh, seemingly appropriate. But I, I'm going to say here tonight, we look at this era and this, this time frame of what God is doing here in that particular era of time. We find that it is, it is certainly is, is, no, no doubt about it. It's a time of, uh, of God doing something that seemed very impossible. That God's about building back what, uh, what has been destroyed, not by the adversary's work alone, but because of the uh, allowance of God's people uh, in the midst of a man by the name of Jeremiah and other prophets that preached and preached and preached, uh, turn back, repent, come back unto God. You're, you're, you're going to just uh, procure to yourself uh, the judgment of God and going on into uh, captivity. And so all that that's going on, it's not about God letting His people down. No, that wasn't what was going on. It was about God's people letting down their God. 
And so that was going on. And so they went into Babylonian captivity. You know the story. And I don't know that I have to give a whole lot of backstory on uh, in a meeting with uh, Baptist preachers, independent, strong uh, Bible believers. But but to look back on the story and to think about what what unfolded in real time was that God's people that had been fed, God's people that had grown and developed a testimony for God in the world, an iconic people that had the world looking on as the, the character of God displayed in His interaction with His people and these things going on. What an exciting time to, to, to think about in those early days of the conquest and, and the taking over of the land. But then as they're in the land and not obeying the very commands of God to do exactly what God would bid them do and to give attention to the details and obedience to God to do what He would have, him to, to have them to do so that He may be glorified in that region and in the, the, the known world at that time. So as they went into Babylonian captivity, we know that it would have been a, a three-way process as they're making their way, uh, as they're overtaken by Babylon and that <coughs> wave of uh, those three waves of going in uh, under the chastening hand of God because of their disobedience. And, and listen, I, I, I fear the chastening of God in my life because of disobedience, but uh, it's a reality. And I would dare say that we've all experienced the chastening because who the Lord loveth, He also chasteneth. And He indeed uh, gives us a whooping. Now, I grew up in the home of a man who believed in that. We didn't have a woodshed, but my dad made do. <laughs> I'll tell you that for sure. But uh, uh, but the thought of, of having the chastening, the the love of God upon His people to chasten them, but to know that the chastening was not the end game. It was part of the process. And for God's people to really glorify Him, there's going to be a need to uh, to understand the correction so that we may get that right and get back and tra- back on track with God. And, and that's where he was. And uh, I know our society's getting to the place where you can't tell me no anymore. Don't point out anything wrong in my life. Don't even suggest anything negative. Don't put red ink on my paper. No, uh, that's too negative. I'm getting a negative vibe. <laughs> well, God was very well acquainted with a negative vibe. And that we needed it at times. And they needed it. And so they went into captivity and God, just as He had promised, just as, as He had prophesied through Jeremiah, I, I, I oftentimes think of, of how Jeremiah must have felt. What, what was the personality of a Jeremiah that preached some 40 years to deaf ears? Now, we're not going to have a support group started here tonight, but I'm just saying sometimes as a pastor, you think, uh, is anybody awake? Is anybody hearing what's going on? Can you, can you hear this? Is this not the living, alive, quick and powerful, sharp and any two-dredged sword word of God? Is that not, is it not doing something in your heart? Is something not happening there? Whereas Jeremiah, just in an ongoing way, you better come back to God. You better come back to God. You better heed his commandments. But lo and behold, just return, re, uh, return a deaf ear to the word of God. And there they went and there they were in captivity. And after 70 years, by the, by the grace of God, the mercy of God, they were able to go back into the land. And we think about in the Proverbs that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and how God's able to orchestrate the, the use of mighty world power leaders 
to do that. He's still capable. He's still the sovereign God. Listen, I, I get a little nervous of the word sovereign, but it's true. He is the Lord of Lords. Okay. So, but the, the concept of his rule and even his ability to, to work in the heart of a Pharaoh. Uh, in Egypt and to work in the heart of Osiris to allow the people of God to then go back at that appointed time. So, so they in fact did as they made their way back in, it was a, a three-way process to get back into the land, uh, a wave that went at, uh, back under Zerubbabel and some 49,000 people strong to go back into the land of uh, Israel and uh, back into Jerusalem and then a, a wave to go back in under uh, Ezra. And to see that, uh, see that rebuilt, uh, uh, the, the temple proper and, uh, to see all those things reconstructed and sacrifices, uh, uh, getting back to the place where they're being offered in the temple of God. Now, you think about this here. As they got back in the land, they still were struggling, keeping busy in the work that God had for them. You remember the story of, uh, of, uh, Haggai when he came and the temple was not yet, uh, continuing to be built and he came and said, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you working on your sealed houses? Why are you working on those things while the house of God lieth waste? Get up there, get the materials and get back to building. Consider thy ways, he says. So they got back to the work and now there's another man who comes on the scene by the name of Nehemiah. And in the third wave of return back into the land of God, the, the queen city of Jerusalem as God is reestablishing his people, repatriating his nation of people that he's working with. This Nehemiah is now dispatched to, to go forth. Now we have to remember this. Nehemiah didn't just go one day. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm supposed to go and I guess I've got something I need to do. I, I need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. This was something that Nehemiah bathed in prayer for a number of months. This is a man connected with God that could be used by God to get involved in a project for God, for God's glory. And so here's Nehemiah as he's prayed up and approaching the king and uh, able to be given papers to go back in and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, I'm just saying here, uh, you, you may look at it and go, well, it's the walls of Jerusalem uh, around the temple proper and the complex there. Uh, not that huge of a project. I've seen men do greater projects. Listen, it was a huge project that was much bigger than the materials used to rebuild the walls. It was the project of the name of God in that portion of the world. Now, I'm just telling you here, this tonight, as a preacher, you, you may not feel like the world thinks much of you. They, they, may, not, they may not know a whole lot of you, <laughs> but God thinks the world of you. And He wants your, <laughs> wants your life to be used to build something for Him, to build a testimony, to build a, a, a testimony and a witness for Him in the place that He's called you to. So it's vitally important. It's uh, extremely important. It's bigger than the walls of the church building that you meet in. It's bigger than the properties and how well manicured they are with no dandelions growing in the grass. Charge anybody right there? <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I drove across our property I thought... Where are those dandelions coming from? Those neighbors of ours. <laughs> well, but the thought of what God is wanting to build. So he's allowing his man to go back in to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to reestablish the testimony of God in that portion of the world. And very important to God, vitally important to God. But I'm telling you, he's about to the end of this project when we come up on our passage. 
I don't know how, how long you think it's going to be till Jesus Christ returns. I think we're very close. And I know I, my, my pastor, Brother Orrin Cobb, in the twilight of his ministry way back in the late 1990s uh, would say, Christ could come back today. This could be the day. And, and I, and I believe it. And I, I believe it is still yet. The, the, the day is getting very, very close. And, uh, listen, you can't deny some of the things going on with Russia and China and some of the alignments. Now we can get into the uh, prophecy and things like that, but I'm just telling you, it seems like it is very, very close for the day of Christ's return. And by the way, I do believe in a pre-tribulational <laughs> return of Christ. Okay, all right. Just making sure I was with the right crowd here uh, tonight. But the the concern is that uh, is this okay? Well, are we are we getting to the end of this project of the New Testament, uh, the local New Testament assemblies in this age? Is it coming to a close? Could we possibly be within fifty two days of finishing this work for God? We have missionaries around the world, Lord willing, in the three and a half weeks, we're going to go to Eastern Bloc uh, Europe, not Europe proper, but down, way down in there. And my wife's like, are you sure you should go to that a region of the world right now? Well, we're starting a church there, and I, I feel like God would have my son and I to go and to be in that area. And I'm not, we're live streaming, so I'm not sharing exactly the, uh, the place, but, uh, but we're going to that region and by the grace of God, Lord willing, we're going to, going to do that. And, and how many more days does this brother have? How many more days does this work have to go on? Well, I don't know, but I believe we're getting close to a completion. But I'm, but I'm going to say here tonight under, uh, the authority of God's word and, and really in, uh, and looking at the complexion of the adversary and what he did to try to tear up that work, we're still dealing with the same adversary. And he still has the same kinds of tactics. So I'd like to point out a few of those to you um, tonight in dealing with the enemy that's, that's trying to stop the work that you and I are engaged in, the work of the New Testament church that in fact is indeed here to glorify God, certainly winning souls, that glorifies God, certainly discipling people, baptizing them and uh, teaching them to observe all things. That's what's glorifying God. It's uh, I dare say that the glory of some of the buildings we built are not quite as glorious in the eyes of God as they are in the eyes of the communities that we live in. Uh, listen, I, I, we have a building, we, we built a steeple and I really, I debated building a steeple. Now, I, I'm a lower Midwesterner, I, I, I didn't go up to the New England area in the Northeast until about four, four years ago, I believe it was. We finally made our way up there and, and I, you know, I didn't know there was a big debate on steeples and things like that. And could God meet in a church with, that had a steeple? And, and I don't know if some of you guys have been down that debate and things like that, but we built a steeple and we put old white lap siding on our building and, and, uh, just did it old school, dark shingles and, White lap siding. I mean, just, you know, I, I just love the old look. And we'll have people try to say, Oh, I love your building. I, I love that that uh, just kind of that old school look. I said, We ought to come on inside uh, sometime. Enjoy the inside there. But the concept of, uh, of our, our facility, listen, it's uh, more than about the glory of what we can do on our property. And yes, we want to represent God and we want to uh, present Him very well to the communities we're in. But it's greater than that. It's so much greater than that. It's about glorifying God through the preaching of the gospel, the getting of the gospel out to a lost and dying world. And that is going to be met with opposition. Like what? 
Well, we get a glimpse of it here in chapter 6, but let's go back to chapter number 2. I'm sorry, chapter number 4. Chapter number 4, verse number 1. It came to pass when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, let not their sin uh, be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Tonight we're going to look at some tactics that the adversary uses to get you off from doing the work that God would have, us, have you to do. One of those tactics is ridicule. Now we know that we know Satan is, is, is like a ninja. Anybody need any explanation on that old Japanese warrior, the, the ninja who had every kind of weapon in his toolbox, if you will, uh, that he'd throw stars, he'd hit you with sticks, he'd hit you with knives. He, he had special moves he could use in old uh, feudal Japan, and they would use these uh, men for special uh, types of uh, uh, military takedown strategies. And these uh, dark, uh, completely black-clad warriors that would go about, it, it just feel, it just think, well, there's no way you can uh, just fight a, a ninja. There's no way. I mean, you try, well, I can sucker punch a ninja. <laughs> okay? But all these different tactics that would come. Satan, in ninja-like fashion, was attacking the work of God in this day, and he's still attacking the work of God today. And one of the tools he used then was ridicule. So here these men come, these, this conglomeration, if you will, of anti-Jewish leaders, uh, of the new, um, newly uh, joined Samaritans there in that day. Now, we know the Moabites and the Ammonites and uh, uh, the other portions, the Arabians, were all in opposition to the, uh, the Jews coming back and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down by Nebuchadnezzar. They were in opposition to the rebuilding of the temple that had been torn down by Nebuchadnezzar. They were in opposition of that. And so here these men come where the work that had been reestablished and rebuilt they are still trying to stop it because they know that if they can get a fence around this city, if they can get these walls rebuilt, it's only going to be worse uh, for us. And so here these men come and they start by using the tactic of ridicule. Ridicule. First of all, they were upset, grieved because of the men, the man and his group who had a desire to see the work of God rebuilt. Go look, look at chapter number two, verse number 10. When Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. There, there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So here's, here's Nehemiah that's coming back saying there's a, there's a need to rebuild. There's a need to re-engage. There's a, there, there's a work to do because, uh, God's, God's people have, uh, have, have gotten to go and on the work of rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls. 
but they've struggled with the temple and now they're to the place where there's rubbish everywhere. How are they going to do that? Uh, Ezra came, remember, plucking out his beard, grieved, looking at what's going on and the devastation that's gone uh, on amongst the uh, Babylonians uh, as they have mocked the name of God, as they have taken the testimony of God and mowed it down in a very visible fashion. So all that's gone on and now... A man, Ezra, has come, looked at it and said, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, we must rebuild this. And now Nehemiah is there saying, we have to continue the work. Uh, it's been devastating. Now, listen, I don't know what it's like in your town or in your region, uh, but I'm just saying here that the work going on for God has taken its hits along the way. I used to work with a lot of young preachers, and young preachers would say, I've been in this town, I just got started here, assumed the pastorate. And I'm just not sure I'm going to stay. How long have you been there? Six months. Well, what, what's, what seems to be the problem? I don't think these people want to follow the pastor. Okay. Well, well, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I'm preaching the Bible, having the visitation, praying, having men's prayer meetings and things like that. We're trying to do everything right. Well, let me ask you a question. Who, who pastored the church before you? Well, he left. It was some kind of some awkward circumstances and things like that. Okay. Well, who, who pastored the church before him? Who pastored the church before him? But, but, but you're confident it's that these people don't want to follow you. It could be these people have been hit some pretty kind of hard ways. It could be those, those former pastors... It could be some things that have taken place along the way that's been somewhat of a discouragement. Matter of fact, there might be some ridicule floating around the community about the church you're trying to pastor. You're going to go to that church? Do you know the history of that church? Are you familiar with the history of uh, whatever Baptist church? Are you are you familiar with that? Listen, the ridicule can fly all over the place, and uh, and, and to think, well, I I don't like how that, uh, that 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 people are ridiculing the work of God. Listen, regardless of what kind of ridicule is going on, let's make sure that you don't lose the fact that you are grieved over the des uh, devastation that's taking place in the work of God, and let that continue to be the case that you find yourself saying this: I care about the work of God. And it's evident not just in my life and in my family's life, but it's evident in the lives of the people that are trying to tear the work up. They see that I have a heart for the work of God. But they're ridiculing. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 19, when Samuel at the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will you rebel against the king? Are you gonna, are you gonna try to overtake, uh, the Persian king Artaxerxes? Then answered I them and said to them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. This is the land that God has given to the children of God. This is important to God. This is the queen city of God. This, in fact, is important to God. And so ridicule as you may, laugh as you may, God has interest in this work that's going on. And I'm just telling you here that the, the insults were coming. They took great indignation and mocked them. Ridiculing them laughing to them, saying things like these feeble Jews. Now, remember this, they were the conquering Jews not many days before. 
They were conquerors of the land. And now they're considered the feeble Jews. If a fox were to come up and brush against the wall, that wall's going to fall. The mockery and the ridicule is flying all around. The laughter's happening. Uh, just, just this last Saturday, we were out door knocking, and, and uh, usually we have children with us. We're getting to the place where uh, my wife and I are, at times the kids don't, they don't want to be with us. They just say, we're going to go door knocking with older brother or sister. That's fine. I still like mom. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so, knocked on this door. Guy had a sweatshirt on and said, Grandpa. I said, oh, I like your shirt. I said, uh, I'm Grandpa. And uh, we talked about that for a few moments. And I said, um, hey, we're out here from Lighthouse Baptist Church. We're in your neighborhood today and just just wanted to talk to you. Wanted to invite you to come visit our church if you don't have a church home. And he said, uh, I, I don't go to church. I said, well, um, okay, well, you know, we're just up the street here about a mile. White, but yeah, I've seen that cute little building that, you know, <laughs> on and on. I said, you think you might be interested in coming and visiting sometime? And he said, I said, well, can I, uh, can I share with you what the Word of God has to say about how you can know for sure that whether you ever go to a church ever again in your life, you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven? And he said, <laughs> no. And we started walking out the door. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but I said, it's, it's all right there in the brochure. You're giving it, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's shutting the door on us as we're leaving. You been there? Been there. Been there again this week, right? As I was walking off, I said, oh, it, just, it, just, it just never stops, does it? That ridicule never stops. The laughter. When I surrendered to ministry, I thought, man, God's favor is upon me. I mean, the, the, just what's going to go on here? I mean, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Ridiculed. Ridicule upon ridicule upon ridicule. Ah! It's ongoing. You know why ridicule works as a, as a tool in Satan's arsenal? Because you have an ego. Because I have an ego. Because we forget it's not our work, it's His. It's not about our success, it's about His glory. It's not about us building something in a community and filling the building. Listen, uh, we get excited with other churches when there when there's a growth, uh, a time of growth, and that's exciting, and we we are glad for that, and we rejoice with them. But but can I just can I just say we we ought to rejoice with the brother that maybe isn't experiencing a lot of uh, numerical growth in his church because he's continuing to preach the word of God, he's continuing to share the gospel, he's continuing to try to get the word of God into the homes of the people in the area, talking to people in the marketplace, and then and just ongoing trying to go forth. Why? Because this ridicule is going on and it's discouraging. But but I'm just just trying to remind you here tonight: our ego ought not to get in the way and cause us to get off the wall of the work of God is because we're being ridiculed. How are you ridiculed? Your standards? My standards? I still believe that people ought to go go to church like they're meeting with the king. Yeah, I still believe in that. They ridicule us because we have, oh, you have services Sunday morning and Sunday night? Wow. Really? Why? Well, we want to give Sundays to God. 
first day of the week. We let him have the Lord's Day. Amen. Yeah, still believe in that. I know we have an agrarian uh, influence on the format of why we, how we do church and things like that, but I still think it's a good idea. I've I've thought about shortening it, going to the morning uh, morning lunch, afternoon, and we've done that a few times. But but what I found oftentimes is uh, later on in the day they find something else to do, and it just kind of stops being the the dedicated Lord's Day, and uh, and 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 we take ridicule for that. You have a Sunday night service. And it attacks your ego. Maybe we ought to do like the rest of them. Maybe we ought to just go to a Saturday night only. Listen, I think I'm amongst brethren here. We're not planning on doing that. It's the first day of the week that the Lord's people met together. And that's what we ought to do. And I, I'm just saying there were, the ridicule will come. You, you, use, you use what version of the Bible? You know there's some other versions that you can use that are a lot easier to read. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, a lot easier to read. So that so that we do not have to be a workman, needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ridicule. Satan will use ridicule to get you to the place where you just say, I don't even know if they want me here anymore. Listen, it never was about whether or not they wanted you here or not. It's about whether or not your God wanted to put you there. And as a missionary, listen, the emotions run around your mind and you get to thinking, well, do these people even appreciate it? Do they want, listen, there, there are sometimes, uh, there are sometimes in a church service, I look around, I just think, I don't think they like to hear what I just said. I don't know that they really appreciated that. And I, and I look at my wife and say, you glad you came to church, right? And, uh, are you glad? She's like, yes, sir. That was good. Amen. You know, and, uh, <laughs> keep lying. Okay. <laughs> but the, but the thought of ridicule, can get us off the wall that God has us placed on for His glory. Go to verse number 7 in chapter 4. It came to pass when Sambalet and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set our watch against them day and night because of them. We know we're in a spiritual warfare, but Satan does not stop in desiring to hurt you physically as you try to stand for God and the work that God's called you to. I was on a missions trip last summer. We have a missionary out in Eastern Alaska, remote Alaska out there, and we've supported them a number of years. We went out, uh, my son and I, uh, we're, we're out there, and uh, we're sitting on the back porch after a day of working on their building project and, and helping them build their foundation. We're going to go back, Lord willing, this summer with a few different waves of some preachers and things and, and help them get their building up. It's awesome what's, what's happening there in Toke, Alaska. But there, there we were, sitting there talking, and all of a sudden my phone rings. Hello? <laughs> Hey, Pastor, I, I um I hope I'm not bothering you with, with what you got going on there. No, we're fine. We're just sitting here uh resting from the day and he said, Pastor, um, are you are you familiar with with uh, any of the things being posted on our Facebook or uh our live, our um website and things like that? I said, No. I've been watching that. I what w- what's going on? Well, this is a man that's a big brawny guy. I mean, strong, stout guy. And just just recently, God had been dealing with him about 
uh, dealing with things in a physical way because of his background of fighting and uh, being a, just a brutish type of man. And he said, Pastor, I know you're a long ways away from home, but I, I, I feel like your family might be in danger. I said, well, what, what, tell me what's going on. And he said, I, I'm reluctant to even share some of the things that this, this person is saying. And he began to unfold some of the things and the threats that were being hurled against me, our church, and some awareness that he shouldn't have had, but he did, of where I was and things like that. And, and, and the man said, Pastor, I'm willing to go sit out in front of your house and, and, and just camp out until you get home. I reminded me of a story Brother Cobb used to tell us young guys. He said, he said, now, you know, sometimes deacons uh, serve in unique ways. He said, we did have a man at one time uh, that something like that was going on. A man was threatening me, and this, this man said, Pastor, I'm going to park my truck in your front yard until this all blows over. And he did. <laughs> he said, I kept saying, you can just go home. God's, God's, God's going to take care of this. Just go home. I'm not going home. So the man explained to me what was going on, and I... I said, okay, well, let, let me let me pray and, and, and just uh, see what the Lord would have me to do. And I said, um, you know, I have a couple of my sons home and, you know, we have 911 and things like that. I mean, and uh, so Lord worked it out and, and protected us as a man just kind of has lost some of the connection with uh, reality, began to attack uh, me, attack some other churches and but Satan doesn't stop short. He wants to wants to tear us down, and sometimes it feels like a physical threat. It feels like uh, now. Listen, my my background before I got saved was uh, was violence. I mean, that was what uh, I was in jail for. Okay, but uh, I'm thankful that those days are gone. I don't want to go back to those days. That's one. <laughs> that's one of the things I, I just just don't even want to think about. But the concept of the physical threats that come along. These men were rebuilding a wall. And those that that league of anti-Jewish men who said you're you're a threat, we want this. They came down and physically were threatening them. That's a tactic of the devil. Death threats sometimes happen. I remember there was a church in El Paso, brother um, brother Joe Dickinson, pastors the Hillcrest Baptist Church in El Paso. Uh, years ago, there were a couple of men that said you're wanting to build a building in the, on this property here on Hercules Avenue. Let me tell you something. You'll do that over our dead body. And they, in fact, did. An awkward set of circumstances with those men's life, natural causes, so to speak, uh, that have no other explanation that we didn't do anything here. But I'm just telling you here, you've got to be careful here that you're going to hurl physical threats against the work of God. Be very careful. I wouldn't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. I, I remember Brother Richard McQueen was out uh, door knocking downtown in an, out, in an outreach ministry at Southwest Baptist Church. A couple of guys came up there uh, uh, to mug him as they're trying to reach out to the homeless. And they said, hey, give us all your money. He said, okay, first of all, men, I'm a preacher. Okay? And I'd be very careful that you raise your hand against the Lord's anointed. And these two guys are looking at him like, just give us your money. And he said, second of all, I'm a preacher. And we ain't talking about a whole lot of money. <laughs> so he said, uh, so I've got enough to buy you guys a hot dog. Are you game? They said, yeah. And so they went and had a hot dog. <laughs> 
You think about this, some of the attacks that come your way. This is, uh, this is the underhanded nature of the devil himself throwing and hurling attacks. And, uh, I can share a story. Some would remember a story at South Campbell where a man came and, uh, <laughs> he came to the church and he busted in the middle of the service, just like we're having a service here. He busted in the middle of the service. A man was preaching. He said, and today is the day of salvation. The guy busted in and said, yes, today is the day of salvation. And everybody's thinking, illustration? <laughs> One of our men who was pretty rough back in the day, Brother Jack Mangan, he got up like this. He said, guys, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so we followed him out. He got outside. And we're watching him outside the front glass, double glass door, windows. <laughs> One guy said, just get ready to call the police. So Jack's standing out there, and the guy's talking to him. He's going on and on, and he said, He's just going on, he's saying things, and we don't know what he's saying. Well, then eventually the man's wife kind of said, we've got to leave. And the Jack's wife said, we've got to leave and somebody take over. And I said, I'm the assistant pastor. I guess that's my job. So I stepped out there, and the man was getting even more belligerent, and eventually he came at me, and I had to put him against the brick wall. You know, just one of those little treats God gives along the way. Okay, just, all right, let's, let's just kind of, let's, let's, let's not get out of control here. The police came and he looked at me and he said, they're going to take me to jail, aren't they? I said, well, I think so. And he did. Three days later, that Brother Jack came back to the service and he said, he said, hey, I saw our friend from the service the other night. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I walked up to him and said, hi, Ben. He said, do I know you? He said, yeah. I think you do. He goes, you're one of those Baptists that got me thrown in jail. He goes, well, I'm one of those Baptists that told me you take my Lord's name in vain again. I'm going to wipe up the parking lot with your face. That's who I... <laughs> That's not how we handle it, Brother Jack. <laughs> but those threats come. What's the intent? The intent is just to stop the work of God. Get enough people scared, get enough people nervous, they'll go out the back door. Look at verse number 10. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burden is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Discouragement. Judah's coming and saying, there's, there's, there, these, this faction is rising up saying, there's just not enough. We, we, it's too great of a task. I'm discouraged. I don't think we can do this. Discouragement is an, is an attempt the devil tries to use to try to get you to stop the work. I'm not appreciated here. I don't know that what I'm doing is making a difference. Anybody with me here, you feel that attack on your work that God's trying to do through you, what, what God's trying to do in your community? Is anybody really even listening? And, and maybe even jingle the keys and think, well, so is it time to, to hang up the keys or just to pass them on to someone else? <clears throat> Listen, the discouragement is real. Can I, can I just tell you right now, sometimes you get tired and you want to quit. And, and a matter of fact, there are probably a lot of men out here that have heard the encouragement, why don't you just take a sabbatical? Why don't you just take some time off? <sighs> Can I just clear off a spot here a little bit? Last I checked, the shepherd lays with the sheep. Not on the other side of the country, playing. <sighs> Brother Russ, you've only been a pastor. You haven't even been a pastor 20 years. You don't know. Well, I do know this. 
If you're discouraged to the point where you're thinking, I'm going to leave the flock, you probably ought to find your rest in prayer. You probably ought to find your rest in a, in a closeness with God, not climbing and hiking through mountains on the other side of the continent. Not riding a bicycle around somewhere and trying to find yourself. Listen, I'm just telling you, the devil, he, he throws those arrows. You look at the men in your church and say, why don't you just take a sabbatical from your workplace six, eight months, and then maybe, it, maybe it'll just help your career. They go, yeah, nice try. <laughs> Be careful with that. Satan wants to get you discouraged where you're overwhelmed and you can't do it. What kind of message are we sending to the flock that God has called us to that we can't lay amongst the flock? I mean, yeah, I get it. Take a, take a break and relax a little bit, but I'm just saying here, take long uh, time away from the work. There's a work going on. We need to stay engaged in the work. And so don't let that tactic uh, get you off. I know we're tired and all those things, but, but listen, don't let the discouragement of some try to get you to the place where you quit. Verse number 11, chapter 4. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass, and when the Jews which uh, dwelt with by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places uh, whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore shall I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the uh, people afterward, their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought, had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, even I mean, everyone unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held the spears, the shields and the bows and the habergians and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They, they which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens which uh, which those that laid it, every one uh, with his hands wrought in the work, with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me, and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated from the, uh, upon the wall one from another. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort you thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work. And half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be on guard, uh, be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which follow me, none of us, put off our clothes, saying, saving that every one put them off for washing. The intimidation factor to bring about fear to cause us to stop the work. You see it on foreign mission fields as you're trying to get engaged in the work of God and shining a light in a dark place around the globe. You see the attacks that go on and you say, missionary. Be ye strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Hang in there. Don't quit. 
Hang in there. Well, the attacks are coming. The struggles are coming. Pastor, <laughs> they're, 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 they're attacking my wife. They're coming at my kids. They're, they're ridiculing. They're intimidating. They're physically assaulting. These things are going. I remember when I was in Bible college, just around the corner, there was a, a missionary that was going to Egypt. And I, I remember the very, very somber nature of this man. And, uh, and, and, and he was going to Egypt and I thought, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I believe he'll make it. He's that kind of guy. He just got his face set of flint, you know, and, and he went over there. And, and then, and then a number of years after that, I was in a missions conference and this, uh, this missionary was there. And he said, every time we go out of the house, people spit on me in Egypt. They don't like the gospel we're preaching. They don't like the Jesus we're representing. And they're spitting on us. He said, I can handle it. But man, it's hard when they spit on my wife. Man, it's hard when they spit on my kids. When they spit on us. Would being spit on in the United States of America for preaching the gospel cause you to come off the wall? Would being ridiculed for preaching the gospel in the United States of America cause you to come off the wall? Would the offerings coming down and you struggling financially cause you to come off the wall? Would the attendance dipping and having to get a little side work, preacher, cause you to come off the wall? Well, let me just say this. That's his intent. He wants you off the wall. Now tonight, I'm just challenging you here. This is I'll, I'll get on into some more of these tomorrow, Lord willing. But tonight, we need to stay on the wall. I don't know how many more days it's going to be. It may be another, another month. It may not be. But the need is not to get discouraged and quit. The need is not to let our ego get the best of us and say, I'm not going to put up with this. I'll go sell a car or do something different. The need is to stay on the wall. Let the work of God not cease. When I was a little kid, we used to have a toy we'd play with. It was a little egg-shaped toy. And it was always shrouded in a hard plastic. And it was weighted on the bottom. And they'd have different uh, images on that, that, that weighted egg-shaped plastic. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? What is it? Weeble wobble. A weeble wobble. You set the weeble wobble down there and there he stood. And you push that weeble wobble and he would just sit back. He'd flick him back this way and he'd. <laughs> and the slogan was Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I'm going to challenge you tonight, preachers. God's servants involved in the work of glorifying God in your area. Stay on the wall. Don't fall down. Let's stand if we could tonight. As the musician comes and tonight as, as God possibly has spoken to your heart and challenged you maybe perhaps in your own life as His project through you is going on. Maybe in the life of someone you know. Maybe your preacher. Maybe your friend. Maybe you're one of your fellow servants, but there's a need for all of us to stay in the work that God has called us to, that it not cease. Father, help us to see it. Help us to see it tonight, Lord. Help us to see your work 
needing to continue on as the days ebb on and as the day draws nigh for the return of our blessed Savior to take us home. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to stay on the wall. Help us to continue to preach. Help us to continue to door knock. Help us to continue to preach the precious, glorious, blessed hope of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, to our community that needs hope. Help us not to give up. Help us not to quit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, if God's spoken to your heart, you need to pray. These altars are open. You kneel right where you are, you do that. Perhaps you know someone that's discouraged. Perhaps you know someone that's taking heavy ridicule. Perhaps it's someone that you feel like is being threatened. You want to pray for them. Lord, help them not to quit. Help them not to come off the wall. Help them not to snap and lose the the work of God in their life, through their life. Help them. Challenge you to tonight. Stay on that wall. There's a work to do. The wonderful end of the story is that the work on the wall continued. It kept on. I love seeing I love seeing fellow servants as they're aging and remaining faithful. I was listening to a preacher this this uh, this morning on the on the, the the deal there. The I was listening to his voice and I thought, man, he is getting older. I remember his voice used to be a booming, strong sounding voice. And it's cracking, he said. And he was crying out to the young people, stay faithful. Stay faithful. The days are drawing nigh. I mean, we're, we're going to pass from this life and go to spend an eternity with God. I've got a work to do here. Stay faithful. I'm challenged tonight. Man, stay on the wall. God forbid that there be a year from now that one or any, any of you were to come off the wall. Stay on the wall. Stay on the wall, Pastor. blessing that is. Don't quit. Don't quit. Hallelujah. All right. Looking forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, uh, Brother Dameron will be preaching. Brother Scholl will be preaching. And then and then Brother Bishop will be preaching again. And we're looking forward to all of these. And uh, thank the Lord for this time. And uh, anybody like to eat? I would say, you know, Baptists, you give up all your vices. The only thing you have left is food. So, you know, we just eat all the time. <laughs> now, if we're Presbyterians, we can still drink, you know, but no, can't do that. Anyway, <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> okay. There is food in the back. Um, if you're familiar, I'm not familiar. I don't know where I'm at, but out this door and all the way back, and you'll wind, wind your way back. 
to the uh, gymnasium. I'm sure the the members here will help you out if you don't know where to go back there. And uh, there is food back there, lots of it. There's salad and carrots and uh, avocado toast. And No, there's none of that. There's pizza. There's pizza. Things like that. And uh, anyway, this is America, right? We don't need avocado toast. So anyway... <laughs> There's uh, food back there. Stay as long as you want. I say this every time. Stay as long as you want. I'll be here. Uh, some of you all need to visit. Some of you need some fellowship. Some of you need to help one another out. Stay as long as you want. We'll hang around. And uh, I know we don't get to do this very often. So praise the Lord for that. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm going to ask... Uh, Brother Brodnick, would you close us in a word of prayer? And uh, just ask some blessing on the food as well.